This is Comic Picks by the Glick. Hey, and I'm Jason Glick, and tonight it's all about the Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, because with because with Halloween coming up, I figured, hey, you know what? Be a good time to talk about scary comic books and manga. Mm-hmm. And you see, it's like really it's an extraordinarily short list for that kind of thing because mm-hmm. you know it's like uh, well, also they classify as horror comics and manga. I just don't find scary for some reason. I mean, it's like, I'll look at this stuff and I think, you know, it's not bad, but, I mean, was I scared by this? I mean, talk about stuff like 30 Days of Night, the, uh, like the vampire serial by, um, by Steve Niles, art by Ben Templesmith, mm-hmm. that ever thought, that a great horror concept. I mean, vampires in Alaska, where it's like night for 30, for 30 days. Yeah. And it's like, it's great, great concept, but I, it's got, like, moody art, some nice, occasionally witty writing by Niles, and, well, it's, more like it's just like an action movie rather than just like straight up horror. I mean, like there's not a whole lot of actual scariness to there, like like despite um, Temple Smith's great art. Mm-hmm. But still, that means that it's I don't know if it's just me or if it's just the way that you just can't that, that like we were talking about like um how, like you can't actually do horror in anime like when, right 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 the not 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 very well then and there although there is a genre called horror anime but it's not yeah. really like like creep upon ya anime uh, yeah. or creep upon ya horror I'm sorry yeah it's like a lot of this stuff I mean it's like it's it's doesn't try to be that scary at all but there however not saying that not everything is not scary because there are the very few exceptions and I can talk about well I can at least name at least two. Off the top of my head right now. And it's, well, say Halloween theme. Well, not Halloween yes. theme, but like in the spirit of Halloween. In the spirit of Halloween, that this is stuff you actually want to <coughs> read and scare yourself or thoroughly scare your kids. Right. Yeah. Because, like, I'm starting off the first, first with one of the, um, was regarded as one of the um, greatest um, comic book series for, for American superheroes. This would be, um, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Oh, right. Alan Moore, the guy who did the Watchmen. The guy who did Watchmen, B for Vendetta. <coughs> mm-hmm. It's like all that, all that great stuff. And this mm-hmm. is a series that actually got his start in the U.S. Because basically like DC was like, made a big exploratory search to the U.K. back in the 80s for, like, for like, um, writers and artists to take over some of their titles. And um, they just figured, hey, you know, this Alan Moore guy, he's pretty good. Let's give him Swamp Thing. It's like no one's reading that right now. So they gave it to him. And he wound up changing the um, face of comics. Mm-hmm. Whether or not for the better, it's still being argued, but the way he did it in Swamp Thing, like, he pulled it off really well. Because mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know, the basic premise of Swamp Thing is that... Um, see, um, researcher um, Alec Holland was researching something called um, the Biorestorative Formula, something that would basically be able to to grow vegetables and plant life just about anywhere in the world. Yeah, like, but the problem is, like, the, you know, some, some people didn't like that, so they just went and blew up his lab, killed his wife, fun stuff. And then the, the formula basically turned him into the swamp thing as he was running out in flames from his, from his laboratory that night. Hmm. Now, the series um, went on for a while, and then it was relaunched in the 80s um, as Saga of the Swamp Thing. Alan Moore took over and basically killed him in his first issue. Which isn't re- <laughs> which has yet to be reprinted, but it's coming in the forthcoming new hardcover edition of the series. Mm-hmm. Basically, his first issue of of the Saga of the Swamp Thing basically set out showed you how the whole everything you know about the hero is wrong type of story. And with way Alan Moore did it, he pulled it off. It's a textbook example of how to pull this thing off perfectly because basically he shows you, that, well, you see, Alan Moore, like um, Alec Collins. Great hope was that you know, eventually we'll be able to find a way to re- reverse the effects of the formula. Basically, show that I'm 
bring back being a human again. But in this first issue, like all well, in his first, the second issue actually, the anatomy lesson. Um, after he's after his corpse is being examined by Jason Woodrow, the Floronic Man, Woodrow realizes that hey, you know what? Alan Moore isn't. I mean, no, Alec Holland isn't um, like a like a human who thinks who's actually a plant. He's actually a plant who thinks he's a human, because all the like he said after like, ex- exhuming his body, find out that none, that is, none of the organs that are inside actually work the way like a human human organs should. I mean, like, he's just he's a plant. Right. Like, he's just, like someone who's like, absorbed the consciousness of Alec Holland, but he's never. He, but Holland is actually actually is dead and buried, and now it's like you just have this plant running around thinking it's a man. <laughs> yes. And and the first first couple of stories we see like Alan Morris it's about reestablishing like like something's presence in the in the world like showing him how he can actually stand up to um, the Floronic Man who basically um, goes crazy and starts to try and establish the uh, the dominion of plant over man. Hmm. And in the second second um, arc basically how um, the demon Etrigan shows up after a after um, um Holland's girlfriend or quasi girlfriend. Um, Abigail Arcane starts working in a uh, home for um, for the mentally cha- mentally challenged kids mm-hmm. that has actually been possessed by by a demon. Now this is great this is great stuff. Highly recommend for anyone. But when you actually want to get to actual horror, wait to the second second volume, mm-hmm. which is Love and Death. And now it's like it's a very scary series because because in the second volume, um, Abigail's um, boyfriend winds up um, making a deal with a devil to uh, or. A devil, in fact, mm-hmm. it's like someone, someone who's out of history with the swamp thing, to um c- to come back to life and use uses his body as a vehicle for that, and he also brings like several um very scary um people along with him, but it's extremely creepy. To, like once once Abigail slowly realizes that her that that her boyfriend isn't the man that that she once knew, that is actually someone much more sinister, much more scary, and the fact that. He's got her stink. He's got, like, she's got his stink all over her. And the things she goes trying to get rid of that, <laughs> like, skin crawling in the best sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, it, Moore's um, drawn on the series reprinted in six volumes. And while Love and Death is definitely the best one, they are all worth worth buying because it's, like I said, these, these stories, these stories basically, like, injected a more mature sensibility to, to American comics. And, you know, it's like it's debated. It's been debated without actually like being bring maturity to comic books. It's actually been a good thing over the years. Because I mean, you look at where th- where things are right now, and you think, well, yeah, well, like do do everyone's arguing like do comic books actually need maturity, or do superheroes, superhero comics need maturity, mm-hmm. or should they just be like great great big like four color spectacles like appealing to the ma- to the masses? You mean like Superman? Always yeah, exactly. Being a Boy Scout. Yeah, it's like just like the, these are actually like. Like need like it should be actually be appealing to mature audiences like us, like the fan men, right? <laughs> As, or just like or just like should be like um, appealing to the kids and just selling in huge quantities, mm-hmm. right? Well, you can just keep having that argument, but still, like um, Moore's work on on the Swamp Thing, it's a landmark in American comics and highly recommended to anyone. All right, and it makes you regret the fact that DC went and pissed the hell out of Alan Moore over the royalty, royalty payments years later. The fact that uh, he'll never ever write for them again. Hmm. Okay, but let's see. That's American comics right there. Now Japanese comics, however, 
it's a much much different story. I mean, like, I said, we if you see like J horror stuff like The Ring, like you'll notice that, like a lot of like J horror stuff subscribes to the belief that if it's that it doesn't that it doesn't need to make sense as long as it's scary. Right. In fact, the fact that it doesn't make sense makes it scarier. Mm-hmm. Now. I was listening to my Dark Horse podcast again. I realized I made a grave omission. Oh, yes, because <laughs> I I left out one, mentioning one of the um one of the best three volume series that the Dark Horse has published recently. This is a um, Mail by Hosui Yamazaki. Hmm. Now Hosui Yamazaki is the artist of the Kurosaki Corpse Delivery Service. Okay, and he does great work there. But with Mail, though, it's a completely different beast because while his work on on Kurosagi, it's very, it's very clean and very morbid at times. In male, it's actually really goddamn scary hmm. because he's got a great, great sense. Well, let me back up for a second. See, because basically, male is a story of Reiji Akiba. He's a, a freelance exorcist who is at this, um, this German, this German class gun. Like, it's if you've played Resident Evil before, he's basically got a red nine okay. um, gun going around. You, they use it to exorcise ghosts. Okay. And it's a very episodic series. I mean, like he, it's every chapter is basically like the ghost, different ghosts he um, he encounters each week. And now it's like it, that formula could get old, and I think it's probably good thing that um, they only they stopped it for three volumes. But still, these are three quite scary volumes because Yamazaki has got a great sense of you know just evoking a very real setting. You know, just like it's like it's very very natural, very believable and like hey this could actually this could actually be like a nice real world setting like you'd see in a magazine somewhere and then just adding introducing a supernatural element to these settings that you just go that, that shouldn't be there that, that's wrong that's oh no <laughs> it's, it's extremely creepy when you just got this two page spread of a woman's apartment and you just see this head bending around from from the from the, from the causeway looking at the woman and it's just Creepy. Yeah, that it's. You don't want to see it there. I mean, it's scary. I mean, it's like it's. It's not right. It's it's the it's the thing that should not be. Right. And it's like that's what's wrong with this picture. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and he pulls that that stuff off so well throughout these three volumes. Hmm. And I mean, it gets kind of repetitive after a while, but still, I mean, like the first volume is the scariest, and then you get kind of diminishing returns as volumes two and three go on. But it's still like. Like I said, if you're going to read, I, I, I just want to tell you, like, if you read this, read this with the lights off, then you can read it. That's right. <laughs> Get an itty-bitty book light or something yes. like that. <laughs> it's, it's great, great scary, great scary series, and highly recommend it to anyone. And if you, if you like, remember, um, um, Reiji Akiba also shows up in Volume 4 of the Kurosaki Corpse Delivery Service. Mm-hmm. And... That that episode he shows up in actually turns out to be one of the more one of the creepier episodes of the series. <laughs> yeah, but not all manga is like that. Hmm. I mean, it's like it's male is more the exception to the rule more than anything else. Right. Now I mentioned Junji Ito in passing. Right. And I've said that he's he's got some scary in his work, but also a whole lot of stupid as well. That is exemplified in um in Uzumaki, a series about a spiral like. Virus idea or mem that that possesses the ta- town and just like creeps the hell out of people. I mean, like it's I have, to, I have to dig back in my memory to remember this because like it's you get some scary stuff like how how this one girl's grand grandparent like just like say oh there's spirals everywhere 
Look, I can bring my eyes in a spiral. I can just, like, break all my bones and curl up in here in a spiral and die. <laughs> I mean, the first volume is extremely creepy. I mean, it's like, I'm thinking, like, good lord, like, everything they were saying about this thing being scary is true. And then you get to the last volume, which basically involves a girl's hair, you know, just taking on a life of its own, being in various spiral um, designs. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of stupid. And and unfortunately, it kind of goes that that's the way side of things to come because it just goes downhill straight from there. Mm. I mean, it just gets it gets very very repetitive, very stupid. <clears throat> and it stops being um, believable after a certain point. Like at one point when um when when the main main female character like is stuck in a hospital for some reason, and then like all these other ladies um, start showing up with drills in order to drill into people and take their blood mm-hmm. and like, she gets gets the hell out of the hospital in that episode I'm thinking like no you don't stay in that town you get the hell out of Dodge right now <laughs> but she doesn't mm-hmm. and like you're thinking like okay that's 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 I I can't believe any of this right here I mean like it's any anything they do, they do in the series after that it's just kind of like oh okay let's see what happens next oh you got guys riding Riding whirlwinds, fighting against each other. You got um, people turning into snails because the snails have a spiral shell. That's great. And then the ending. Well, I mean, that, by, the, by the time I get to the ending, I realized like, you know nothing they could have done could have redeemed my opinion of the series. Mm-hmm. But you know, <clears throat> some people think it's great, mm-hmm. um, and I, yeah, they're welcome to their opinion. But other, but overall, it's like not generally not worth it. Beware of spirals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And Dark Horse has also done some additional stuff from Kazuo Mezu, who I talked about previously in another podcast where I discussed his his best-known series, um, The Drifting Classroom. And they did three right. volumes of, of another series for him called Scary Book. And, well, if you remember what I said about um, The Drifting Classroom, that how it, it'll mainly appeal to um, kids who, like, who, are, who aren't that... Um, who probably be more receptive of the uh, the level of scares that he's going for in this? <laughs> I mean, you've got like a in the first volume faces where you've got well, first volume reflections. You've got a girl who um, her reflection comes to life and steal steals her identity. Then you got two volume two, which is actually um, pretty decent insects, where a girl um, it's, it's, has a pathological fear of butterflies and we start to see her her stepmom as a butterfly. But it's actually a good reason for for that. I mean, it's like. Two is probably the best one, and probably the only one I actually recommend that that you pick up if you find it in the half off bin somewhere. Mm. Yeah, three faces, which is oh yeah, that's where I got the title from. Is basically um, like a, let's see, a girl like um, like there's two like two sisters. One of them, one gets her face injured in a horrible accident. And she has the other girl like um bring victims to her in order to like to, like see her killing lust or something. Nah. I don't know, but I mean, it's like, I understand there's more volumes of Scary Book, but like I said before in the Dark Horse podcast, there's, a, there's they, th- three volumes, and it seems to be the uh, the limit for like, for their um, stuff that doesn't sell all that well. Mm. And, well, with Scary Book, I can see why they stopped at three. So Scary Book is the little Japanese title of those, huh? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I mean, it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's, they, um, that's how they translate it in, in English. Mm. But still, I mean, it's, for the... <laughs> For the um, actual nature of the series, I mean, it's it's a perfectly worthy title. So it's basically just a set of anthology. It's an anthology of stories. Yes, an anthology of stories. Mm-hmm. And as it is, like I think, 
I wouldn't. I don't mind the fact that they stopped three right there. Mm. Yeah. However, Dark Horse does have like another another horror. Well, it's a horror comedy in the sense that The Evil Dead is a horror comedy. I speak of The Goon by Eric Powell. Okay. The Goon is the main character of the series, and he's just this this working class guy who just like goes like in like it's a twenty year twenty zero setting, and it's just like him and his buddy Frankie. I'm going around beating up zombies and other like crazy creatures all across town, and he's got a and Powell has got a great crazy sense of humor for a lot of for a lot of this stuff. I mean, he'll just bring up like inflatable chickens, it's like de- like the and the demons who have sex with them, <laughs> and also like the um the, the, fr- the venerable phrase knife to the eye, which solves everything. Right. I mean, it's it's a great crazy series, and while I it. I mean, it does get more serious as the, as the series goes on. It doesn't it doesn't lose its lose its um, great straight crazy energy. I mean, it's like let's see, vo- this is starts in volume zero, which reprints the uh, stuff that um, Powell did before coming to Dark Horse, and up to volume five right now, plus the Chinatown graphic novel. And I said it's it's extremely it's extremely goofy in parts, but it's. It's got it's got a great crazy sensibility for for all, all the uh, insanity that you can think of when um when thinking about zombies like zombies who start singing um tomorrow from Annie because just because they can <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and even ants even got falling that um that Hellboy shows up at one point just like he like he just gets some transported to the goons. To the good universe, just to you know, beat up on some some squid flying up, like flying in balloons, <laughs> like yeah. So like, I, like I said, I highly recommend this if you're looking for some laughs on this Halloween with mm. the, with a nice nice creepy edge <clears> to them, just to get you in the mood for Halloween. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I've I've understood that this that it is being made into a CG animated movie. Though personally, it's like I I'd like to see this be live action because I can see um, Ron Perlman. Um, doing a great goon, yeah. Like he's, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's already done Hellboy, but mm-hmm. he'd be perfect for the goon as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with that, I'm gonna leave you leave you for this Halloween podcast. And hey, if you don't pick up any of the stuff I told you about, at least have some good, find some good scary stuff of your own. There you go. Okay. We'll see you next week. Night. Bye.